we interrupt this fireball of a podcast to invite you to check out our incredible new show, Settling the School. Hi, I'm Brody. And I'm Ronnie. And together, we're ranking every significant classical composer. From the 9th century to the now. From the Middle Ages to the modern age. From Bornell to Bach. From Bach to Beethoven. From Beethoven to Boulez and beyond. Join us on an epic step-by-step journey through musical history. In which every composer will submit their finest work to compete in the ultimate showdown to determine once and for all what is the greatest piece of music of all time! Really, bro? What? What's the matter? The greatest piece of music of all time. As if there's even a way to prove that. Dude, it's a rhetorical flourish. (laughs) It's some kind of flourish. All right, I'll dial it back a little. Yeah, uh, mezzo forte, please. All right. From rehearsal mark C. One, two, three. Settling the score. Available now on your favorite podcatcher. Welcome to So You Think You Can Rule Persia, the podcast where we rate and review all the kings of Persia from Diochis to Yazdegerd III. I'm Serial, and my pronouns are they, them. And I'm Umberto, and my pronouns are he, him. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 55, which is Vologasis III. Look at us, still going. Look at us. Not to we're, say that I'm like amazed or anything. half of it, like, and we're still going. That's pretty good, right? <laughs> yeah, look at it. And this is a bit where a lot of people who know Parthia mostly from Roman history will jump in because mm. this is when Tessaphon becomes the Roman emperor's holiday home. I see. So we'll find out why that happens. I mean, we've sort of seen why, but we'll figure out in more detail what the heck is going on. Mm. Cool, cool, cool. So, yeah. Well, we can start by recapping a bit of what happened during Pecorus II's episode, our last episode. Well, during Pecorus's episode, everything burnt to the ground. Yeah, it was very disappointing. We finally had a bit of respite after, you know, king after king after king for a few years where nothing could get fixed and everything was on fire and we just had no stability. And then we had mm-hmm. stability for a little while. You know, things seem to be better. One king, like, single-handedly managed to fix the empire and essentially get rid of all the issues that we'd been having. And then it just, it lasted that dynasty, that, um, not even dynasty, that... That that one lifetime. (laughs) Yeah, that lifetime. And then everything is back to just terrible, on fire. Yes. So I am very disappointed. I had so much hope. Yeah, no, there was... (laughs) Hope was never an option, Serial. Uh, okay. So, to recap the damages we've received, we've mm. lost to the East. The East is being crushed by the Kushans. The Indo-Parthians don't exist anymore. They've been eaten by the Kushans again. In the West, Mesopotamia is gone under a usurper called Osroes, and he also has control of Armenia. In the middle, we're left with Pecorus 
Aminur and now Volagasis, just holding the center of the empire, kind of just keeping it alive, just keeping the embers still living. But there are threats everywhere, and it will just take a bit of a big push, and the empire will collapse. Mm. So let's see what happens today. Do you have high hopes, Serial? Do you think Volagasis III is going to restore the empire, or do you think he's just going to lead it gently to its grave? Well, okay, so the thing is, if we're really that close to disaster and to Mm -hmm. the empire just stopping existing... Oh, we have, like, more episodes to go. <laughs> I'm like, well, that doesn't I mean, happen. The Achaemenid Empire and the Seleucid Empire both uh, died. Sure, so. sure. Okay, so you mean, like, the, the dynasty Yeah, itself. I mean, they might be replaced by something new. Who knows? Yeah, well, then, then yeah, then I expect that might happen, actually. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Good to see the optimism. Yep. Well, you know, we had the one chance, and this guy blew it, so... Yeah, Pacorus, my dude, you yeah. should have been competent, please. But, okay, let's see what Volagasis III does. First of all, let's say that we don't have a Volagasis II, we're not covering him. Uh, because, because he was I a guess. short-lived usurper under Pacorus II at the beginning of last episode, so... So you just decided... We don't care. Yes, to he's not relevant. Bye, yes. I mean, I dispute that he should even get a number, but historians... Do give him At a least number. agree on these mm. numbers, so, you know, for the one time they agree, I'm just going to go along with <laughs> them. Okay. <laughs> so that's good. But okay, let's find out about Volagasis' life. So Volagasis was the son and heir of Pacorus II, but since this is a very poorly documented period, we don't really have many details. Surprise. Yay. The things that we know are that he had two brothers that you should remember. One of them is called Oxidaris. Okay. And another one is called Parthamasiris. I will write those names down because there's no way yes. I will remember. Parthamasiris, especially, it took me a while to understand how to pronounce it, but yes, it's. Well, I'm it's sure a that lot. the English language didn't make it easier. No, definitely not. So, yes, two brothers. And? Axidaris. With an X. Yes. Axel. Ax. Yes. So, as we saw, in the last years of Pacorus's reign, he lost the western portion of the empire to a usurper called Osiris, who is now ruling in Tessaphon, and recognized as the Parthian king by the Romans, because, well, it's the he's Romans. the one that owns yeah. the border with the Romans, so yeah. there we are. And, well, the other things we know are that in the last years of Pacorus II's reign, he made Volagasis' co-king an heir, and the succession was relatively smooth, hmm. supposedly. Because now in 110, Pacorus dies and Volagasis is left with a massive chunk of the empire missing and an ongoing civil war with Osiris claiming to be the king of kings. So we kind of need to break him down a little bit. So what is Osiris' deal? Well, it looks like he had his power base with the western nobility and in Elimais, where he may have started out as a vassal king of Elimais and then grown from there into owning all of Mesopotamia. But as we saw, Osiris doesn't only claim dominion over Parthia, but he also claims influence over Armenia, which is the bit that's connected to his empire, and it's owned by an Arsacid prince, so there we go. And to make sure that he would gain proper control of Armenia, Osiris replaced the king of Armenia, Tiridates, 
maybe the younger brother of Volagasis, the first and first Arsacid king of Armenia, so the one that we imposed when things were going well. So Osiris replaced the king of Armenia with Axidaris, I told you, which is the younger brother of Volagasis. So he is sort of jumping to a nearby side of the family, giving a crown to presumably his nephew. Mm-hmm. Which must have bummed Volagasis because his younger brother is now working for the enemy. I see. In the Civil War. So, not yep. fun. Not great. You don't say. <laughs> yes. But, Serial, who do you think notices when a king of Armenia changes? Well, Rome, I guess. Yes. Um, clearly. Rome has noticed. The Roman Emperor Trajan has just built a column for himself after defeating the Dacians and conquering them and adding a new province to the empire. And now that he looks east, he sees, interesting, Armenia's changed ruler. But the last king of Armenia came before Nero and got his crown from him in Rome, if you remember. Mm -hmm. And Trajan asks, why is this new king of Armenia not coming to me and getting his crown from me? Trajan. Right. <laughs> I have a new column I could show him. Well. It's great. Maybe you're not the center of the world, Trajan. Don't tell him that. Right. So Trajan sets off east with an army, deciding that, fine, if the king of Armenia won't come to him, he's going to pay him a visit. In the meantime, Osroes, the current king of Mesopotamia and usurper, Mm-hmm. freaked out. He said, oh no, I didn't read the small print of the treaty. I thought this was a one-time thing. Sure. Oh god, Trajan, I'm sorry. Please leave. I'm fighting a civil war. I don't need this. So Osiris deposes Axidaris, mm-hmm. his first king of Armenia, and replaces him with his other brother, Parthamasiris. Okay. So again, more brothers betray Volagasis, but I guess he is not popular right now. Like, is he, like, do we see it as something somewhat good in the sense of, oh, this is still our family? Or are we like, how dare you? You're an opponent now. it's still our family, but Osroes is also like an uncle or a cousin. So this is a family affair. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, how dare you move on that side of the family? (laughs) That sort of thing. Okay, but now that... Osiris has made Parthamasiris king of Armenia. He sends a message to Trajan saying, Hey, I, I wanted to have your opinion on who should be king of Armenia. You know, Is this just... fine? <laughs> you know, just checking. For fun. Also, here, have some gifts. Please don't hurt me. I'm fighting a civil war. Volagasis is in the east. And Trajan refused the gifts and only answered that friendship is determined by actions, not words. Well... Like, he's got a point, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So Trajan then marches all the way east to Antioch, and there he receives messages from some Parthian vassals saying, please don't hurt us, we're sorry, there's a civil war going on, we don't even like either of these kings. <laughs> we're just gonna stay neutral, okay? Is that cool with you? Please. We are so weak right now, everything is on fire. And then Parthamasiris also sent a letter to Trajan, Parthamasiris, the new king of Armenia. And he sent a letter to Trajan saying, hi, I'm the new king of Armenia. Can you confirm my position? Are we cool, Trajan? Is everything okay? 
I, I'm not involved in this. I just got made king of Armenia. Please. I'll take the crown from you, whatever. Just, just please be nice. Sure. What did you think Trajan answered? Well, I guess it depends on what's beneficial for Trajan. You think he's just going to accept Parthamasiris' submission and say, yep, mission accomplished, let's go home. I, mm, I know Trajan is like a general emperor, mm. so I think he would be a bit more ruthless than that. Yeah. Yeah. Trajan does not reply. He just marches towards Armenia. Wow. He left him on red. <laughs> yes. So it's like, you'll get the message. Not only that, seeing the massive Roman army closing in, Parthamasiris sends another letter to Trajan saying, I'm so sorry. I please, seriously, please, I please, had nothing please, to please, do please, with please, this. Please, please. And while he signed his first letter as Parthamasiris, king of Armenia, now he signs his at just as Parthamasiris. <sighs> it's like, I don't even want to be king of Armenia. Just whatever, my dude. Oh my god, please. do we have these letters? We don't. We just know how oh, they were signed. Okay, okay. We'll, well someone, like some historian wrote about it, I guess. Yeah, basically. That is so funny. So we're going all the way to the border. Uh-huh. And Trajan still does not answer. <laughs> I thought, you know, when you said, oh, write these names down of, like, the brothers, I thought it was going to be because, like, they would become instrumental and in, like whatever we were trying to do you know like either we would fight them because they would rebel or like we put them on a throne like we co-rule or some something like that i didn't know that it was going to be because like rome was going to be involved and <laughs> yeah, dealing rome with is them. very involved now mm. it's not a good time uh. but then in 114 after not replying to two letters, Trajan just directly marches into Armenia and conquers a few border cities, with the cities mainly just looking at the army and looking at the fact that they have nobody defending them and just giving up. Mm-hmm. There, Trajan received envoys from several smaller vassal kings in the region who swore fealty to him because they saw that, well, Parthia's on fire, Armenia isn't strong enough to do this on its own, so... Please don't hurt us. We'll surrender. We'll pay you whatever you want. And then finally, at this point, Parthamasiris himself, he goes to Trajan. He says, oh, it's great that you're here in Armenia. It's just in time for the, for the ritual. You can give, I can hand over my crown and you can give it back like Nero did. Is that cool? Are we, are we cool, Trajan? Mm-hmm. Please? So just like Tiridates had done for the statue of Nero... Parthamasiris marches into the Roman camp, takes off his diadem, and places it at the feet of Trajan. This is just weird. The most humiliating thing at this point. Like, it Trajan is, is not even acknowledging any of the attempts of, like, submission at this point, of just being like, please don't hurt me, I, you can do whatever <laughs> you like, like, I, just spare me, like, it's not even, I don't, I, <laughs> god. You know what would be more humiliating, Serial? Oh boy. So after Parthamasiris put his diadem at the feet of Trajan, the Roman army started cheering, and Trajan just kept the diadem and sent Parthamasiris away. Yeah. Yeah, like, You're just... not king of Armenia. <sighs> Armenia's a Roman province now. I just... I, this guy. It's clearly not working. Like, I understand wanting to, like, plead for your life, right? Yeah. I understand the will to live, but also, like, it's not even being acknowledged and you're still just like essentially grabbing the emperor's knees and being like please i'm begging you and like come on 
at this point, just like <laughs> either run away or I don't know, like accept defeat and whatever might come with it. It's just yeah, you don't have to lose your life and your dignity. <laughs> dignity, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, so Parthamasiris tries to protest the fact that he didn't get the diadem back. He said, hey, I, I submitted to you. You know, mm-hmm. this this wasn't part of the deal. I'm not sure you deserve the diadem, my dude. Yeah, at which point Trajan responds to get out of his province because Armenia is Roman now. So please leave. Mm. Right. And yeah, Parthamasiris' Armenian servants were kept with Trajan and he was allowed to leave with some Roman guards where once leaving the encampment, one of these guards just quickly disposed of the former king of Armenia. Hmm. So, the end. Good start. Good start, Serial. Yeah, excellent. Yeah. But this is when we take a whole tangent elsewhere, because I read a really interesting paper that I don't know if I believe, but... Oh? Cool. Okay. Well, I love some speculation. Let's go. Yes. Because the source that tells us that Parthamasiris was killed is a source that's hostile to Trajan. Right. It's a source that wants to show Trajan as being dishonorable and killing a guy who was at his mercy. I mean... (laughs) Sure, sure. Like, he had surrendered. He had, like, fully, you know... He couldn't surrender more. Yeah, he wasn't resisting. It was just there. He had nothing left. But according to the paper I read, Parthamasiris escaped to the east, where he became a Buddhist monk. Oh, come on. I thought it was going to be like, well, this source was hostile to Trajan, so maybe Trajan was not, like, you know, did not kill him, but kept him. And, no, it doesn't even have to do with anything. It's just no. Parthamasiris, like, escaping. Come on. Yes. Because, according to this theory, Parthamasiris traveled to the east and arrived in China in 148, where he became known as An Shigao, and he translated the first Buddhist text into Chinese, which started Chinese Buddhism. Oh, come on. Just... Now, what is the evidence? Yeah, I'm like... Serial, what is the uh, evidence? Just judging by the, like, TLDR, you know, judging by, like, just the summary, I'm like, how? What do you mean? Yes, well, this article I read says that the only ancient author mentioning the death of Parthamasiris is this enemy of Trajan. Right. So everybody else just says Parthamasiris disappears. They stop mentioning him. Also, as a son of Pacorus II and brother of Volagasis III, it makes sense that the prince would be seen as a threat in times of civil war and would want to run away from Parthia. And on the Chinese front, An Shigao is traditionally known to have been a Parthian king or lord. In Chinese sources, he said, oh, this exiled Parthian king came to us. Hmm. Because An is a shortened version of An Shi, the Chinese name for Parthia, and the typical way of naming foreigners is with the first syllable of the country name. Like if you're Spanish, it's Si Banya, you would be Si something. Mm-hmm. And it is said that An Shigao wandered for a long time in the East before arriving to China. So do I believe this? Not really. <laughs> Because there were a lot of Parthian nobles that could have just randomly gone to the east in a time of turmoil. But it is an interesting story, which is why I'm telling you this in my role as a Herodotus. So, mm-hmm. not saying I believe it, but it would be cool if it were true. Fair. Fair enough, you know. But anyway, back to the narrative. Armenia has fallen to the Romans. What do you think happens now, Serial? Well, can we go back to, like, the empire at hand here? 
Yes. Because, you know, this is neither Persia nor, you know, this podcast is not about Rome or about Armenia. So can we please? Well, Trajan decided to start marching east towards the Parthian Empire, conquering a few of the bordering nobles and vassal kings. And he just marches through Mesopotamia with barely any resistance. Yeah. Because at this point, you'll remember, there's a civil war going on. So Osroes wasn't expecting an attack from the west, and he was off in the east of the empire in Iran, fighting with our supposed protagonist, Volagasis III. Supposed protagonist who has been barely mentioned this entire episode. Yeah. So Trajan can just march through Mesopotamia with barely any opposition. He crosses the Euphrates and then the Tigris, where in late 115 he conquers the capital of Ctesiphon. Yeah. He manages to capture the daughter of Osroes and his throne. Yeah. But fortunately for him, the rebel king fled in time, probably under serious pressure by Volagasis, who probably was unhappy with the fact that the west of his empire is falling to the Romans. What do you mean? What's going on? And for this conquest, Trajan is voted the title of Parthicus Maximus. Understandably. Because, to be fair, it's like kicking somebody who's fallen down. Yeah. Yeah. He he did get Tessifon. Yeah. Like... We don't like the Romans in this podcast, right? Like, that is just that comes with seeing the other half of the story. The territory, yes. But, but, I mean, like, we were, like, we were just ashes at this point. So I'm like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. What are we going to do? <laughs> yes. So Trajan then proceeds from Tessiphon down the Tigris and receives fealty from the king of Karakine mm-hmm. and arrives all the way to the Persian Gulf claiming that if he were still a young man, he would manage to go all the way to India like Alexander. Oh, if only I could totally do it. But, you know, I have something. But he still claims that he traveled further than Alexander because he started from Spain. So... Fair? Still counts. Which, but I guess, is technically true, but not the point. Yeah, no. Of Alexander, but... Eh, Why? Like, go. just stop comparing yourself to Alexander. <laughs> Like, this is oh, not a good thing. It's to. not a good thing. Like, s- stop this. Yeah. He then passed by Babylon, which he found mostly in ruins, and he made a sacrifice in the room that was said to be the one where Alexander the Great had died about 400 years previous. But this is when things go wrong for the Romans. Because Volagasis has a chat with Osroes, the usurper. They agree that... If there's one person we hate more than each other, it's the Romans. Yep. (laughs) So let's just make a deal. Let's put the civil war on pause and let's collaborate to kick the Romans out. Then we can restart it later on. How does that sound? It's also been suggested that Osroes, being in the weaker position, just accepted to be a vassal to Volagasis and said, okay, I'll rule Mesopotamia in your name if you help me reconquer it. Oh, okay. So it's like the civil war will be over. But, you know, I'll still hold some power. Yeah, good trade-off, I guess. Yeah, pretty much. And at the same time, this allows Volagasis to use half of his army to fight the Kushans in the east, which are still streaming through into Iran, and use half of his forces, together with the forces of Osiris, in the west to push back the Romans. And it's also at this moment, while he's in Babylon, that Trajan receives news that all his conquests are on fire. He finds out that Armenia has rebelled under an Arsacid noble. 
And at the same time, a ton of cities in Mesopotamia have expelled their garrisons or killed all of them by surprise. And now all of Mesopotamia is basically back in some sort of Parthian hands. At the same time, all the Jewish people across the east of the empire rose in revolt against Rome because after getting in contact with the large Jewish population of Babylon and Tessaphon and Mesopotamia, which had been sponsored there by Artabanus III a while ago. And this all forced Trajan to send his armies to restore order. And Seleucia was one of the rebelling cities, and Trajan's troops burned it to the ground in retaliation, which pretty much confirmed the terminal decline of this former capital of the empire. At the same time, Osiris sent his own son, called Parthamaspates, because I guess that's a popular name structure. And Parthamaspates is sent to try and help out and reconquer Mesopotamia. But of course, since there are Sackids, they get in an argument. And Trajan writes to Parthamaspates and says, Do you want to be my vassal king of Parthia? Does that sound good? Okay, great. Please control Parthia for me. I don't know how nobles work. So Parthamaspates is now crowned king of Parthia by Trajan in Tessaphon, in front of all the pro-Roman nobility. But with things being now very chaotic, Trajan decided to retreat in late spring of 117 to plan a counter-offensive, but things start to fall apart further in Mesopotamia. Because Parthamaspates, the Roman puppet king of Mesopotamia, was deposed by his father Osroes, mm-hmm. who was the usurper yep. from a while yep. ago, who retook the key regions of Mesopotamia, And in his retreat, Trajan failed to capture the city of Hatra on the way back to Syria because Mm -hmm. it remained loyal to Osiris and was so fortified, so strong that the Romans could not put a dent. They just had to retreat past it in shame. I'm sure that's an interesting siege to study. Oh, yes. We don't know much about it, but we know about Hatra from the future and they are very hardcore. (laughs) Interesting. Okay, cool. And then finally, in August of this year... The scourge of God, Trajan, is finally dead. (laughs) Because he dies from disease, and at last, the empire is sort of at peace. And, well, the new emperor Hadrian took one look at the flaming trash fire that was the eastern frontier, and said, You know what? Let's pretend this expedition never happened, okay? Are we good? Let's go back to the traditional border of the Euphrates. Armenia can be given to the Arsacid rebel that took it for himself, he can keep Armenia, it can be neutral again. Is that good? Is that fine? Okay, great. So Hadrian withdraws, and Parthia is now at peace once again. Although the problem is that most of Mesopotamia has been ransacked by a marauding army of Romans. Hmm. So that's not fun. Yeah. Also, situation is awkward between the Parthian government and its western vassals because a lot of these western vassals had just surrendered to the romans as soon as possible so that's awkward when you get back it's not fun it's just a bit unpleasant Hmm. well how's parthia itself doing well there are two options it's either doing bad or very bad because on the very bad option it's possible that volagases begin to fight with osiris who was in control of Mesopotamia now and wanted to retake the western part of the empire. So that's unpleasant. Or it could be that Osiris did 
go through with his deal and remain a vassal of Volagasis, but that still means that the western half of the empire is still semi-independent, which isn't fun. And essentially, the moving west of Volagasis' coins is just representative of him gaining more authority over the region. But luckily for him, a few years pass, and uh, in about 128-129, we stop hearing about Osroes, when Volagasis finally takes full control of Tessaphon and reunites the Empire at last. So the Empire is joined back together again. We've sort of made it. It's still, you know, a smoldering ruin from when the Romans passed through, but I guess it's better than what we had before. At least the Empire is now united and it's not split into a million pieces. But it looks like this concentrating our attention west came at a cost because Hmm. Bactria in the east broke away from the empire and was somewhat part of the Kushan Empire and had sent messages to Trajan for some sort of alliance so that the Romans could keep an eye on Parthia in case it uh, came back to power. But now that there's peace at last, the civil wars have ended a little bit, it looks like there's a relative bit of economic prosperity at least. Because there's a large amount of high-quality coins being consistently minted. And it seems that now that there's peace with the Romans, and trade is freely flowing from west to east and east to west, business is booming for the Silk Road. So luckily, we at least managed to make more money from trade, despite everything having to be rebuilt. And, you know, it's useful that we need to rebuild everything. Mm Mm-hmm. But on the downside, this comes in in parallel to the presence of many more regional rulers in the Parthian Empire, showing that the centralizing efforts of Volagasis I have been lost now, essentially, because the empire is falling apart into many different small regional states that are under control of different nobles. And also there are many trading city-states that are rising now, such as Palmyra Mm. and Hatra in the west, which are in the desert and basically deciding that nobody's really going to be able to attack them seriously, so they'll just remain semi-independent, pay some tribute when they have to, but otherwise grow very rich off the trade routes that they control. And there's sort of good news that we don't really hear much from the Empire in these years, because that's probably a sign that everything was going reasonably well, and after Trajan's raid, everything manages to sort of recover a little bit, mm-hmm. and Volagasis can reign well enough. We then get some news about the second great Jewish revolt in the Roman Empire in around 131-132, which is the one that would eventually lead to the Diaspora. Mm. And it looks like some of the Parthian Jews expected Volagasis to join in and help, because, hey, we're Jewish, you're Jewish, let's fight the Romans together. But it looks like Volagasis thought that, no, we fought the Romans once, we're still recovering from the trash fire the Pacorus left us, let's just remain as we are, it's your own rebellion, we didn't have anything to do with this, just go. But there's no time to rest, unfortunately, because in 136, the Roman-aligned king of Iberia invited the Alans, which are no The Alans! Every time yes, we the mention Alans. them, I'm like... Good friends. Oh. They'll be around for a while. Alans are good. It's an army of Alans. <laughs> yes. The Alans were invited to invade through the Caucasus and reached all the way to Media. And the invasion went very badly for the Parthians, who tried to fight the invaders, but were 
defeated and barely managed to escape with their lives, mm. leaving Mesopotamia to be raided by the nomads until the nomads just left on their own. They were not kicked out, they just left because they were too full of booty to, you know, <laughs> move anymore. Oh, I hate when that happens. <laughs> yes. Suffering from success. So Volagastes then sent an angry letter to the Romans saying, Your vassals just let a bunch of nomads through into our empire. What gives? I thought we were at peace. What are we doing? And to his credit, Hadrian invited the Iberian king to Rome to explain himself, but the Iberian king basically refused, and there was an exchange of insults between him and Hadrian, so the Romans are sort of shaky now in the Caucasus. And it also looked like the Alans even raided some bits of Roman territory, but were pushed back by the local governor, who incidentally is Arian, which is the guy who wrote our main history of Alexander, so it's oh. nice to meet him ah, at last, so that was cool. neat. Hey. Yeah. He also wrote a history of Trajan's Parthian expedition, but unfortunately only survives in fragments, so mm. we don't get more details about it. But, Serial, everything's been too calm and peaceful. Yes. I for was like gonna six say, seconds. Mm -hmm. <laughs> There's just nothing going on. I don't know. No. I'm gonna get bored here. So the last few years of Volagasi's reign are obscure, but we know that there was a pretender he was fighting in Iran called Mithridates IV ah. from a different branch of the Arsacid family, which is very separate. We have no idea how he's related to everyone else. He's just elsewhere. So there's this little civil war which is smoldering. Volagasi's is keeping it under control, but we don't really know much about it. Another element that we know is that Volagasi's sent a golden crown as a present to Antoninus Pius as congratulations on becoming Roman Emperor. So they're maintaining the peace. Things are still good. We're just worried that something terrible will happen, but who knows. Mm. But Volagasis would not manage to end his reign in peace because there is something that would be very dramatic if we had sources. But since we don't have sources, I will try and dramatize it for you. <laughs> because remember that usurper Mithridates IV, I just mentioned five seconds ago. Him. He has a son called Volagasis. Ah, because, you know. Because it's too simple to have different names. Hmm. This son called Volagasis IV. Uh huh. Which is interesting. Okay. Mm hmm. So we're not really sure what happened exactly, but in May 148, we start to get coins of the new king Volagasis IV being king of kings, ruler of all the empire. Uh huh. So there are two options for the end of Volagasis III, our protagonist. Option one is that Volagasis died of old age. Yeah, as one does. But then there was a palace coup mm. which replaced him with Volagasis IV. So there might have been a short-lived heir in the middle, but Volagasis IV managed to corral all the nobles, make himself king See, of kings Wouldn't last. be new, you know, that's how it could before. be. Or maybe he just made himself elected king somehow. It mm. happens. Or an alternative version, which is worse for Volagasis III, is that... Murder? Yes, murder. Uh -huh. <laughs> is that this Volagasis IV had a palace coup, but it was a lot more elaborate and ended up killing his predecessor and putting this new branch of the dynasty on the throne. And at last, Volagasis IV became the new ruler of the empire. Mm. Which is your favorite version, Serial? That will be the true version from now on. Oh, no pressure. <laughs> uh, 
I don't know. I mean, we don't know either way how Volgasis no. IV made it to the throne. No. He did make it to the throne from being the son of a minor usurper. Yeah. Eh. So that's impressive. I don't know. I feel like I find the Vologasis the fourth convincing the nobles the more interesting one somehow. Okay. Because not like with or without the resorting to murder. I think it's interesting that somehow he appears now here as if there were no other options, regardless of how Volgasis the third died. Mm-hmm. Like, how did he make it to the throne? Yeah, it's, it's infuriating that we don't have more sources, because there's yeah. probably a really interesting story in here about, you know, the son of a minor usurper becoming king of kings at last. Yeah, why him? Despite not, you know, he clearly did not win the civil war. Yeah, the usurper is still a king. usurper. Yeah. was not recognized. But then somehow he made it? Yeah, it's very surprising. You have to wonder what happened there, but... Interesting. Unless we discover some great new Parthian sources, we mm. will not know. Sadness. Oh well. But yes. So yeah, that is the end of Volagasis Third. Thoughts, Serial? Uh, I mean, when you have to keep repeating that someone is the protagonist... <laughs> it makes great. me doubt that they are the protagonist, you know. Yeah, yeah. Not the best narrative strength. Yeah, the thing is that Osroes feels like the protagonist because he's just the one in contact with the Romans, and so he's yeah. The one and it's, back I, and I feel like it has a lot to do with sources, of course. Yeah. Also, for some reason, I don't know why the Roman Golden Age is very poorly sourced, even on the Roman side. Huh. So, don't know why, but that's a thing that happens. Maybe if there's not much happening, then, you know, not much to write about. Yeah. Like, either you decide to write about culture and arts and, like, the things that tend to flourish during these periods, or... Eh. So, yeah. It is disappointing that we don't know more, but... Who knows. Okay, so are you ready to rate Volagasis the Third serial? Yep. I mean, that's as ready as I'm going to ever be. So let's just, yep. Let's go. Mm -hmm. Our first category is final moments. How interesting was his death? Again, we have two options. Maybe he just died of old age and was later replaced by a new side of the dynasty. Or he was murdered. And there was a big coup and he was then replaced by another side of the dynasty. The murder coup is more exciting. Hmm. So I feel like it's worth something, because maybe that happened. But the fact that we don't know, and we're not sure if it's true. Like, technically, honestly, in the sources, it just, like, he stops being talked about. Which, like, the interesting thing is that Vologasis IV succeeds him. Like, that's the cool part. But that has nothing to do with Vologasis III. Yeah. So. (laughs) You know. We thought Bardia's death was interesting. Well, but, like, he died twice. True. And it was about him. Yeah, fine. I still feel like Vlagasi III deserves something for maybe being murdered. Sure, sure. But, yeah, no, no, I'm thinking, like, a two order. It's nothing too big. It's just, like, acknowledge that, hey, perhaps the man was stabbed. If you go for a two, I'll go for a one. Okay, that sounds fair. So, with a 2 and a 1, we get a 1.5 out of 10 for final moments. Mm. 
Our next category is Battle Hardness. How good was he at war and fighting? Um, he has his merits. Okay, so let's put it this way. What did Volagasis do? Volagasis is lucky in this round that he didn't fight Trajan and lose. Volagasis managed to keep control of his portion of the empire. He managed to fight back Osroes all the way to either reducing him to a vassal or just reconquering the west of the empire, which are both positives. Mm -hmm. In the east, he lost Bactria to the Kushans, which is not great, but again, we don't have much detail. And then towards the end, he loses miserably against the Alans. And again, he manages to hold off the rebellion by Mithridates IV, but there's no crushing victory. It's just he has a regional rebellion that's going on. So there are a lot of defeats and just a small victory. So yeah, I think it's definitely worth something. Like I'd give him... I'd honestly say two points. I was going to give him three, but the fact that he loses a lot to the Kushans and the Allens feels bad. So I think he should get like a... Yeah, I think a two for Battle Hardness is my mm. thought. How about you, Serial? This wasn't <laughs> an incredible episode in this front. No. Why are you giving two points? I'm giving two points because he managed to regain the West of the Empire That's from Osiris. Yeah. So whether through defeating Osiris in battle and making him a vassal or just reconquering yeah, the West, yeah. he did a good job okay. there. He also managed to hold off Mithridates IV in the Civil War. That was reasonably good. And then he just held the Empire together when it could have easily just broken apart. So he did do something right. Mm-hmm. But then again, lost to the Allens, lost to the Kushans. Yeah. It's a. Yeah, it's a no, tough time. I. You know. Uh, yeah. I guess. Yeah, no, I, too, I think a two makes sense. I agree. Two? Yeah. Yeah. So with a two and a two, we get a four out of 20 for Battle Hardness. Our next category is Scheminess. How good was he at plots and manipulations? Eh. Uh, Scheminess, again, with the sources, we don't really have much. Unfortunately, this is not a good period for sources, sadly. What we do know is that it depends how far you want to call it schemey, but he did manage to gain some sort of deal with Osroes, either to have a temporary truce to fight back the Romans, mm -hmm. or a permanent truce where Osroes be fully became his vassal, and then Volagasis reabsorbed the western provinces after Osroes died. Whether it's scheminess or not is debatable. It could be more or less. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I feel like that's worth like half a point, maybe. And then otherwise, scheminess, there's not really much by Volagasis. There's just there. I feel like the tension here is between a zero and a one. There's just not much that we know about him doing stuff. Mm -hmm. So what are you thinking? Is it uh, worth a zero or worth a one? I think it's worth zero. Actually, yeah, same. I'm like, one, why? <laughs> diplomacy. Yeah. Why are yeah. we doing this? So, yeah, sorry. Mm. With a zero and a zero, we get a zero out of 20 for scheminess. Our next category is shock factor. How shocking was this man? He did nothing of note. Yeah. I mean, again, as a person, we don't hear much about him. He is just this nebulous force in the East that's sort of doing stuff. It makes me really sad that it's also because we do not have much sources that we don't know more. 
even if things went terribly, like at least when things go terribly, sometimes you have like a lot to talk about because, you know, things are going terribly. Yeah, Shock Factor, he just didn't do anything that we know of. Yeah. So yeah, I think just a, another zero is for him. Hmm. So yeah, zero and a zero, zero out of 20 for Shock Factor. Our next category is Aaron Shine. How good was he for the Empire in general and Iran in particular? We have more to talk about here. He well, did do hooray. some positive things. So on the bright side, he managed, together with Osiris, to kick the Romans out of Mesopotamia, get them to stop, go home, Romans go home. Yeah, you're drunk. In a very wise way, you know, a more impulsive ruler would not have done this. Mm. He managed to make a deal with his enemy in the Civil War, saying there are more important things than this right now. Let's fight the Romans, and then we can decide who wins. Mm. So I feel like that's a worthy choice. Just decide to set aside your differences for the time being, and then go there. There's also some more points regarding him actually regaining the West of the Empire. Mm Mm-hmm. The West of the Empire was gone, yeah. now it's back, either through diplomacy or just, you know, fighting. But we have it back. Pacorus lost all that, but now Volagasis has regained it, so that's positive. Fair enough, yeah. We also hear that trade is doing quite well in the Empire. It's flowing and there is some prosperity after the yeah, original nice. wars. So that's good. On the downside, Mesopotamia has been burnt, first by the Romans, then by the Alans. So it's going to take a while for those cities to recover, and it's just, it's, they're just having a bad time, Serial. It's not, it's not good. Yeah, I, I saw, <laughs> I figured. And also in the east, we're losing all the Bakhtar yeah. Turkushans. Yeah, we know, so things are going badly, we know. Apart. Like this, it's okay, not good. can we just go for a zero? I don't... As I, I, you're not going to give him anything for the fact that he restored the empire to its full size? Does that count? Everything is good. Like, <laughs> I mean, you no, know, feel free to give him a zero. No, I just okay, think that okay. It's worth... Like, th- that did happen, so I guess. I like, guess. He could have just lost the west of the empire to the Romans and then we'd just be Iran and have no Mesopotamia. Fair enough. So I feel like that's, again, is he the best king? Is no. he going to win any best king prizes? No. Best king prizes. But, <laughs> but I feel like he is better than Pacorus. Who just lost things. At yeah. least Vologazi's managed to regain things. Yeah. So. Ugh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It can't be a zero. It's just, I see the empire no, just. I'm between like, a two and a three. Yeah, I see the empire dying and I'm like, it's, it's gone. No hope left. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The empire is not doing well now and. Uh, uh, we'll see if Vologazi's the fourth fixes things since mm-hmm. he's from a different side of the family. Maybe he's. Bringing some new blood to the situation, but yeah, I feel like three and a two is. Yeah, I'll what? go for a two then, just to reflect my lack of. You go hope. for a two. I mean that it's fair. I'll also go for a two because there's just so much devastation in the empire. It's yeah. better than it was before, but that's not saying much. No. So yeah, with a two and a two, we get a four out of twenty for Aaron Shine. Our next category is Face of Faces. What do you think this man looked like? And here, Serial, I tell you to be hopeful for the coin. Okay. Because I think it looks nice. Also, I have a replica of this coin with me, which is neat. Interesting. So, I mean, he's not that good of a king in the sense of, like, for an episode. So I wonder what 
makes this coin so special that you got a replica from it, like of it. Oh, it was just available. Well, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I thought it was like, oh, this no. looks really. Cool. I think it's a nice looking coin. Okay. But it was just the one that was available. I as a wonder replica. why. I just needed one per dynasty. Mm. Okay, so Sarah has finished their drawing. Let me pick it up and describe it to you all. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> so if people won't mind. We have a memory of, of an older drawing here, people. Yep. I feel like we've reached that point again. Yes. If you remembered the episode on Artabanus the First, we have a man, an old man here in a Parthian robe, looking sad. <laughs> looking frankly. sad. Yep. <laughs> looking just sad. He has a little diadem, long beard. Sad eyes. And he's sitting at a table, surrounded by fire, pouring a cup of water onto the flames, saying, This is fine. Times two. Second time it happens. I yes. don't know. We've just... gotten to this point. Who knows, Serial? Maybe now there's going to be a new Mithridates the Great that saves us all. Yeah. Is this Volagasis the Fourth? Who knows? Well. We'll find out. Well. <laughs> yes. My hopes are not high. So, if any of you want to look at this image, you can go in the description of the episode down below, or you can go on our website at Serial's Portrait Gallery and have a look. Yep. And now let me show Serial what Volagasis actually looked like, or at least what his coins looked like. Oh, yeah. And they can tell us what they Ooh, like. fun! Okay, I see yes, what you meant. that's fun. I like it. Yeah, it's very triangular, everything. So there's a thick diadem with a bit of hair showing up at the top, and then somewhat like past the ear hair, as per usual. And then a very sharp pointy beard and a sharp nose and big eye. It's a fun stylization, I guess. Yeah, I like how stylized is his, that his beard sort of looks like one of those cattle catchers that trains have. Oh, yeah. At the front. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's so true. It's called a cattle catcher. I think it is. Let me double check. Oh, no. That's oh a very God. American name, but it sounds like it. Cattle catcher. Cow catcher, not cattle so, catcher. Well, so literally. Yes. That doesn't make it better. Still, yeah. No. So there we go. Cow catcher. Also known as a pilot. Ah. Well, yeah, I guess. So there we go. He has a train beard. But yeah, I think that despite the fact that everything is going terribly, he at least looks interesting. I like the stylization of everything. It's very modern looking. So, yeah, it's nice stuff. So, yeah, what do you think? How would you rate this? Do you think it's better than Pacorus with his helmet last time? Or do you think it's worse? How would you rate it? Yeah, I like it less. I think the helmet was cooler. Mm. So, a couple points less. It's, it's a bit boring. Like, it looks funny. Yeah. But not one of my favorite coins. I'm still impressed by the stylization. I think I'll go for a six. No. I think it's different enough from the old coins we've had that it's just like, oh yeah, that guy. Fair enough. I'm just not very charmed. Yeah, feel free. I'll give it a four. Okay. So with a six and a four, he gets a 2.5 out of five for face of faces. Our next category is lengthiness. How long do you think this man reigned? <sighs> okay. Well, he got apparently to a... Pretty old age-ish. Mm-hmm. <sighs> we had Trajan going around. I don't know, I'll say 20 years? 20 years? 20 years is underestimating it, mm. because he ruled for a grand total of 38 years. Okay, so almost double. Yes. My apologies. He reigned from 110 to 148, which is quite surprising, because when I saw 
the list of rulers, when you see Pacorus and Volagasis that they each reign over 30 years, before researching this, I thought, oh, weird, this sounds like a really stable period. I wonder how Trajan manages to invade. And then you read about it and you're like, oh, okay, but everything was on fire for those 40 years, I see. Good to know. But yeah, so 38 years divided by 10 gives us a 3.8 out of 5 for lengthiness. And that brings us to the final score, which is a grand total of 15.8 out of 100, which places him between Gatarzes I and Seleucus II. Who, I hear you ask? Exactly. <laughs> yep. He is in the teens club, which is the... Oh yeah, I remember that guy existed. He is two points below Artabanus I, whose portrait he takes from. So, yeah, yeah. could be better. Could be worse. Yeah, could be better, could be worse, but not much worse, let's say. Okay, but that brings us to the final question, which is to say, is he restorative enough? Is he angular enough? Is he please don't hurt me enough to be a Shahan Shah? Or is he just a Shahan Nah? No, please. No regrets Come here. On. Yeah, just a Nah. Sorry, Volagasis, you are just a Shahan Nah. Yeah. You can go into the desert, meet Pacorus II, and tell your father that you tried to fix his mess. Everything is still on fire, yep. but slightly less now. So, hooray, I guess. And that brings us to the end of our episode. Thank you for joining us. We hope you had fun with Volagasis III. We still have three Volagasis to go. So, let's see if they improve or not. Please join us next time. In the meantime, if you would like to support us, you can join our Patreon, where we'd like to thank our new patron, Peter Deadman, for joining us. Yeah, if you join our Patreon, you can uh, have a series of extra episodes. We have some on essentially the history of Athens, several important figures, Themistocles, Alcibiades, and Xenophon. We have a bunch of kings around the period of Mithridates II, and now we have a new series that's going to be coming out in January, which might be the Moria Empire, but... In the time we're recording this, the voting isn't complete, so mm -hmm. let's see what happens. If instead you'd rather not support us monetarily, that's fine, but we'd appreciate if you could give us a review on your podcast app of choice so other people know we exist and that you enjoy us. But yeah, that is all we had for today. We hope you'll join us next time with the Fourth to see if the Empire will improve or not. Let's hope it does. Have a good week, and we'll see you. Take care, everybody. Goodbye. Bye.